Our scripture reading today is from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 8 through 21. So Elijah got up and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they were trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholoah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Heziel, and Elijah will put to death, Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. This is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, isn't it exciting to be here today? God is about a good work in our diocese, and we have the privilege of taking part in what it is that he's doing. It's also interesting that the reading that we had today um, from First Kings is from the um, Episcopal lectionary for tomorrow, the daily lectionary. And I don't think that's any coincidence. 
So I thank the Lord for preparing the way for the path that we're following today and in the days to come. I'm about to give a short teaching on the readings that we just heard. And I've already given you an overview of what we're going to be doing today. Um, I just want to reiterate once again that the Lord is with us and we're trying to follow his leading. Most of us are familiar with this text that we heard from 1 Kings. Um, But we're going to take a closer look at it and ask the Lord to reveal some specific principles that relate to what we're doing here today. Ways that we can approach and hear God for his guidance and his directives. Now, I realize that for the most part, I'm speaking to the choir. That many of you have probably not only heard teachings on this, but have practiced it as well. But I also think that it's important just to set the tone for today. So, we'll press forward. We know the background of this story is that Elijah was on the run. Jezebel, the wicked queen of Israel, was out to kill him since he had made a shambles of, his, of her special favorite religious cult, killing all of her priests up on Mount Carmel. So he's tired and he's discouraged. He still has a long journey ahead of him, for he's headed for Horeb, the mountain of God, which is in the Sinai Peninsula, and he's traveling from Mount Carmel, which is all the way up in the northern part of Israel. Forty days later, we hear that he's in a cave, about 280 miles away. So he's been walking for 40 days, covering about seven miles each day through the desert. Now, if our friend Drew Smotzer were here, he would tell us all about the inhospitable climate of that area. I checked today, and the highest 106 degrees. So he's exhausted, and as soon as he arrives there, he falls asleep in a cave. But then he hears from God, even while he's sleeping. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, that seems like a strange question because obviously God knows exactly what Elijah's doing there. But because he cares about Elijah and his situation, he wants to give him a chance to talk it over, to reiterate once again the events, and to vent if he needs to, to give vent to his frustrations and his disappointments and hopes and dreams and his hurts and his losses. Now, this is a most important first step in the process of beginning to hear God clearly. Because in the everyday occurrences and in the crush of life that we all experience, there's no getting around it. There are always hardships. There are great losses in this life. So God wants us to be honest with him and not pretend that everything is hunky-dory, not pretend that everything is all right, or at the other extreme, be constantly complaining about everything in this imperfect world. So Elijah takes advantage of this invitation from God, this opportunity, and he lets loose. And he replies, as we already heard, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've broken down your altars and put your prophets to death. I'm the only one left. Elijah's response highlights three different areas that we may need to examine in order to hear God when he's speaking to us. Number one, our motives and possibly our disappointment with God. I've been very zealous for the Lord. Elijah considers his zeal and his dedication, but in so many words, what he's really asking is, what's up, God? 
That's not how this script is supposed to go. Many, and some of us here present, have served God faithfully since the days of Elijah. Many have known disappointments in this walk of faith, and those disappointments sometimes cause us to question. To a greater or lesser degree, this will always be so. I'm thinking of the children who love Jesus and have paid with their life recently under ISIS attack in Iraq and their parents who witnessed their slaughter. And I'll just take a moment to pray, Lord Jesus, have mercy upon us. We're asking for your peace in that place, Lord, and asking that you would uphold the saints there, that you have comfort those with losses and encourage them to turn to you for your peace and comfort. Thank you, Lord. I've been very zealous for God. Can't you cut me some slack here, Lord? Why do I have to run for my life when you could rout my enemies? God, what are you doing while innocents suffer? The reality of injustice and speaking truth can be raw and painful, but pretending that we don't see it or feel it or know the darker side of life is no way of approaching God. It's called denial. If our hearts are aching because God could have made it differently, but he didn't, then we need to get it out in the light and speak the truth to him from our hearts. The second point, enemies and injustices. Elijah says, the Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Did you see what they did, God? Rebellion, destruction, murder. There will always be some who are not for us. There will always be enemies of our soul until death is swallowed up into the complete victory that we have in Christ and every last enemy is vanquished. We live in that in-between land of the already and the not yet waiting with our eyes on the promises, with our feet in the dirt and our hearts held in the hand of our loving King and Father. Bruising and brokenness at the hands of others on this earth is a reality, but it will not always be so. If we want to be in a position to hear from God, again, we must be honest. But all rancor and holding on to the past Unto the present or to the future injustices and offenses in this world has to go. We must walk in the light of his presence and do as he himself did, forgiving every offense and trusting that it is his justice that will redeem every loss. And number three, fears and insecurities. Elijah says, I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me, too. There's no doubt about it. Elijah is in the big squeeze. He's had a difficult season, and it's not likely to end very soon. He's susceptible to the same fears and the same anxieties which affect each one of us. And such responses to difficulties are to be expected. But Elijah shows us that there is great healing and great peace in speaking out these fears. 
What we have to be watchful for is our response. Because bad times can sometimes make us susceptible to the sickness which seizes all of us from time to time. A bad case of the memes. Me, 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 what about me? Give me a break, God. This is tough, and I'm trying to do my best. What about me? Elijah's once again showing us how to respond, yet not continuing to nurse and feed fears that distract and distort our ability to hear and see God. We don't want to try to belittle difficulties or make light of disasters, but when they do come, honesty in conjunction with opening ourselves to the love and the support of a community gathered around us helps us get rid of the little old me, me, me syndrome so that we can trust and look up into the face of the one who has compassion and can relieve all of our fears. Thank you, Lord, for that. So taking these three things into consideration is very much like what modern management would call an exercise in emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize our own emotional, our own emotions and what's happening in the situation and evaluate how they might affect our response to a situation. Being aware of our own inner state of equilibrium is invaluable in enabling us to be able to hear from God. The Lord has promised that he knows his sheep and his sheep will hear his voice but it's also important that we take the time to know ourselves and to heed those things which might need to be addressed so that we can have greater clarity. So the question for us today as we look forward to this process, are we holding any grudges, any grudges against God? Or are there those who have made themselves our enemies or who we perceive as antagonists? Have we been the victims of injustice? Or have we become discouraged and disillusioned by circumstances that we see around us that we have no control over? Or has our sight possibly been truncated by the pain of loss and the fears that those losses engender? Have we been caught in navel-gazing or passivity or blaming or shaming others? Becoming more intelligent and more aware about our emotional responses and intentionally confessing and forgiving, forgiving ourselves or forgiving others, will put us in the correct posture that will enable us to hear when God is whispering our name. In verse 11, we pick up, Elijah has said his peace to the Lord. So what happens next? Well, first off, interestingly enough, God does not answer or address any of his complaints. Now, this is not unusual in Scripture. I'm sure you've seen it before. Not a one. He has listened, and then he goes into action, but not the way that we or Elijah might expect. He tells Elijah that he's going to reveal himself to him. He's going to pass by, and that Elijah will have to stop his brooding and get out of his cave if he wants to see God. Then, you all know the story, 
if you excuse my expression, all hell breaks loose. Tornado winds, mountains shattering, earthquakes, crashing rocks, fire, all of the unbridled power of nature on display. Our all-powerful, almighty God is maker, and he's the orchestrator of it all. He displays his strength and his might as an assurance that no matter what the circumstances, he is able. Yet when dealing with us, he is in the still, quiet voice, the relatively insignificant whisper that is very easy to miss or to ignore. I just, Elijah is a little shaken after this storm, and in response he can only stumble and stutter what he's already said before, but now maybe with greater humility. I've been very zealous for the Lord. He has nothing more to say. And now the Lord speaks and gives very clear directives and guidance And Elijah is ready to hear and obey. God says, go here, do this, do this, do this, and don't be discouraged. There are still 7,000 like you who honor me. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha. And that is our task today, to trust that he is indeed able, able to do all that is needed to find the bishop that we're looking for. So we're going to trust, and then we're going to listen, and then we're going to obey. So as we continue with our service, as we gather around the Lord's table to share his feast of sustenance and grace, let us invite him to search us, to know us, and to enable us to confess if we need to, to bless or to release those things which we know might be keeping us from his best for us, which is seeing his face, knowing his grace, and hearing his voice whisper the secrets of his heart. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. And your servant Elijah, who in his weakness teaches us your ways. Like him, we want to stop brooding and get out of our caves so that we can see and hear you. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you are not only with us and among us, but in us. Please search our hearts and enable us to be more emotionally intelligent, realizing how you are speaking to us, not only through circumstances, but also through our emotions. It's our desire, Lord. It's our desire to promote your truth and your grace. Reveal any places that you desire to touch as we respond to your loving presence. Thank you for making abundant life possible because of all that Jesus Christ has done. We fall silent before the prospect of your great goodness. And we have nothing more to say. We are so grateful. And we ask all this in his incomparable name. 
Amen.